Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Isaac Newton Institute podcast. My name is Dan Aspel, I'm the communications manager here and today I am joined by Dr. Bubakar Barr of the African Institute for Mathematical Sciences in Cape Town. It's a pleasure to meet you. Thank you. And uh, pleasure for being here. No, oh, good. I'm glad to hear that. And um, so this week you are here attending a workshop, uh, which specifically is approximation, sampling, and compression in high-dimensional problems. Now yeah. I've got all the difficult things to say out of the way, so we can start relaxing and chatting to one another <laughs> now. Um, tell me, um, how does your specialism relate to this workshop, and, and how are you finding it? Um, yeah. So my background has been in compressed sensing or you can also call it compressive sampling so you can see sampling comes up there right away so i did my phd in this area and yeah most of the people that presented here in in, in my community and i am fairly aware of some of these works and it was good to be here and just uh, know what some of the new things they're working on so yeah so it's 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 my area although right now i'm looking at the some more different problem or reoriented a little bit to machine learning and data science, deep learning kind of theoretical questions. But we we use some of the tools that we talk about, discuss here today in, in this space too. Yeah. A lot of exciting subjects, topics hit yeah. on there. It's it's, yeah. it's a quite a dynamic and very sort of cutting edge kind of kind of environment, isn't Correct. it? Correct. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so it's, it must be very exciting to see so many different people. Absolutely. Yes. Um, well, I, it's kind of difficult to say, isn't it? Because obviously we're on day four out of five of this workshop and all of those connections are still happening. But yep. um, I thought one thing that might be interesting for us to talk about is that you are part of AIMS, as I described earlier, the African yes. Institute for Mathematical Sciences. Yes. And as you pointed out to me just before we started recording, there are multiple HQs for AIMS uh, and all across Africa. Is that right? Yes, kind of. So maybe we would have loved it to be more spread than it is now, but that's the goal ultimately to have it uh, this network. So it's a network of uh, centers of excellence for mathematical sciences, and we have one in South Africa, one in Rwanda, one in Ghana, one in Cameroon, and one in Senegal. And I think I had some rumor that a new one is going to be open in Cote d'Ivoire next year. Mm. Yes. And uh, so the, for anyone listening to this podcast, they, they may very well be familiar with how the Newton Institute, for example, functions. Do all of these various centres operate in the same way? Uh, do you host programmes and workshops or is there research which goes on there throughout the year, regardless of having visitors? They're quite similar. Uh, in the, like, I mean, all the centres are similar in the sense that we run, uh, so it's more like teaching, so we run a master's programme when you are taught master's program in all the centers in mathematical sciences what we mean by mathematical sciences is like uh, not only people from maths pure maths can do this course people who have any significant maths in their undergrad degree can come in and do this uh, uh, do this one year master's, master's in mathematical sciences so we usually get students from physics uh, computer science, electrical engineering, statistics, and mathematics, of course. And the idea is to help develop their skills in these fields. So they are broad this is a broad area of, of fields we're talking about, but then we try to come up with a set of skills that we think they need to be able to mostly go on to, to graduate school and do a, a PhD in physics or a PhD in mathematics or a PhD in computer science, you know, afterwards. Mm. So all the centers offer this this one year 
and this is open to all Africans from all from any country to apply to, and if they're selected, they get a free funding for one year, mm. uh, and, and including their travel to come to to, to these centres. Because that was going to be my next question: yes. was uh, is it for people based in the home nation? of the particular centre, but obviously no, not. No. no, it's from all over Africa. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so does that mean that, for example, you're based in Cape Town in yes. South Africa. Does that mean that most of the people who are, who are coming to that centre will be from Southern Africa? Or No. no? no. So we have, uh, I think, uh, so South Africa is, is a little peculiar in the sense that the academic calendar is a bit different from the rest of the, the other or the African countries, you know. Mm. Most of the African countries use a, a calendar similar to the Northern Hemisphere, like the US and the, and, 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 and Europe, right? So we, we have the summer as a break. Okay. But uh, the, the, the longer break in, in, in South Africa, it's it's in December. So there's summer corresponds in this, around December. So mm. so they, they end their year around December. and Is that because of the seasons? Like yes, yes. Yeah. They, so then it's like... Um, how do you get them to start there? They need to wait for another six months before these other people from the other parts of Africa finish to get registered for this course. So we they created a new a new cohort called the South African Intake, mm. where they are allowed to start in in, in, in January. Mm. So they overlap with the other people, but then they continue where those, those people finish. Mm. And then we are able to take in more South Africans. But yeah, this was uh, uh, something that was arranged because of the South African situation. But generally, we have students from over the place, and if you just knock out this number from from this South African group, which is a smaller group, but still, it's a significant number from South Africa. But the majority, for instance, would be Nigerians, which is, of course, obvious. Mm. You expect, yeah. yeah, to have more Nigerians. So we have most of our students, I think, mainly coming mostly from Nigeria. And is probably, that because of the population of Nigeria? Yeah, population-wise, so I guess. Yeah, yeah number yeah. of universities right, compared okay. to other African countries. Uh, yeah. 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 yeah, interesting. And uh, apart from the sort of uh, the various logistical challenges of, of getting it all running, what, what's your role uh, there in, in, in the South African Centre? Yeah, so so I mentioned that we have this uh, master's, one year taught master's program. Mm. But uh, then, the, then the, as, as AIMS evolved, the idea was then how can we develop research around these centres? So in, in each AIM center, there was established what is called a research center. And then the researchers were hired. So I'm one of those researchers. And usually the AIM's funding model, we have a lot of support from different places. And so my chair, so the, my position is called a chair. And this is funded by the Humboldt Foundation from mm. Germany. So mm. you would, if you look up, you would see my title saying German Research Chair. Okay. Yeah, I'm not from Germany, but this is because it's funded by by it's, it's kind of a German support to the yeah. AIMS project. Okay. And is that that's not the origin of of AIMS? It's from that particular no. German funding source. No, it's no, no. So this is my chair, and what the Germans did was to support this project uh, is to create chairs for every every each center in, yeah. in, in the network. Yeah. But also we have other centers that we have other chairs that were supported by the Canadian government, for instance. They were mm. called IDRC chairs, for instance, you know. And yeah, and the different South African government also supported a couple of chairs. They call them SACI chairs, mm. you know. So we have different researchers funded with, from different sources. So there's a lot of international interest and Correct. support in, in raising that up. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So, what, why do you think that? Why has that come? Why has there been such interest from? So that's who, that's the that's the way the model uh, started. But I, I should I should have mentioned. Maybe you are aware, not aware of this, okay. or you should be aware that okay. it has a strong link with Cambridge. Actually, right. The founder of Ames is Neil Toruk, who was mm. a contemporary of uh, the great physicist. How do you call him again? Dave. 
the great physicist who was here. Oh, you, you're meaning um, we, we can cap this down a bit okay. so I don't look quite so ignorant. Do you mean, do you mean Stephen Hawking? Stephen Hawking. Yeah. So Stephen okay. Hawking and, 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 yeah. and Neil were contemporary. Yeah, okay. And Neil went on to become the director of the Perimeter mm. Institute in Canada. He just now is, I think from last year, he's emeritus director, for instance. Yeah. So yeah, the idea was to help develop mathematical sciences mm. in, in Africa. Yeah. And um, so... The model was um, to get uh, support from abroad, and mostly we, what we, the support we we also get is is getting lecturers coming. So mm. we don't have any permanent faculty. Mm. All our lecturers come from abroad, mm. and we have uh, a lot of support in the sense that we have Cambridge on board. He, he brought Cambridge because he was from Cambridge in those days, mm. and Oxford came in to support this. I think Paris or Paris, mm. you know. So these big universities that are supporting this, and they facilitate lecturers to come initially from this university, but now we have lecturers coming from all over the world, and they mm. come in, and you have these three three week slots where they come in and teach a course in three weeks and go back. Mm. And this is this is a way forced to get our students to be taught like the best people in the world. Yeah. And then also they end up getting connections like they do at the end they do a short three three months project. Yeah. And usually this are supervised from people also from all over the world. We invite people to submit short projects for our students. They supervise them, and some of them end up going to these top universities to do PhDs because mm. of these interactions. It so sounds, the model is like this. Yeah, it sounds from from an outsider's perspective, it sounds like it must be a really exciting thing to be part of. Because cool. let, let's say if you were part of the university here at Cambridge, very established, it's yeah. been here for eight hundred years. Correct. Things are set in their ways to a certain degree. Correct. And yet, if you have these various mathematical centres around Africa, and perhaps there hasn't been as much investment in providing infrastructure to to train people as mathematicians, you've got this enormous population, a huge number of people who were you know in the past perhaps. You know, crying out for that kind of education, and you're going to make quick progress with a lot of brilliant minds. Absolutely, yeah. One thing we have is like you talk to people who have come to teach; they are always impressed mm. by the enthusiasm, enthusiasm, and our the hunger for learning that our students have. You know, and mm. yeah, these are usually the best in Africa you can have. You know, and but like you said, you know, it's. I think Neil deliberately thought about the idea of like universities being this big monsters that are very inflexible, right? Yeah. So with this model, it's we have a lot of flexibility and we have been adapting, they have been adapting the program in different ways. Like for instance, we have the COP program where we wanted to say, look, we want our, our, our graduates to be able to work in industry, for instance. They have a COP program instead of just doing the one year, they have a six months where they can intern with a company so that when they finish, they, they end up being able to work in company. So, it's, so if it was to go through a university process, it might take a year or two before actually it goes through all the processes it's mm. approved, but it, things are much easier to do in this kind mm. of a setup. Mm. That's one advantage we have, yeah. Mm. It must, uh, I'm curious, from your experience of, of working in this environment, what, what to you is the most inspiring thing that you, you get from it or that you have done or that you're doing currently? Um, uh, so one thing, I, uh, opportunity I has, have is as, 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 a, as a German researcher, it's not, it's not like a typical faculty with a lot of teaching loads. So my mm. teaching load is a bit, a bit less. In fact, in my contract, it says I shouldn't teach more than 20 
percent of my time. Mm. But also because it's a network, I can teach anywhere I want. So I go on. So I teach in Canada, in, in, in Cameroon, or teach in Ghana, or teach in South Africa, mm. wherever I want to teach. And you go to teach, for instance, these courses, and you see how the students are enthusiastic about this. Especially, okay, mm. maybe it's just because okay, I'm also working in an area which is quite very exciting recently, like this data science. You know, so I go on most 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 of the time. I teach a course of introduction to data science, and mm. students really love this course. You know, you see. Mm. Like uh, everybody wants to do a project with you, and you don't have the time to do projects with everybody. Sure, but yeah. uh, it's 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 a nice feeling to to be to to be in the situation to be in. I think. Yeah, and and, and to get that overview of all these different centres because you know, the difference between Ghana and South Africa and Cameroon it's enormous. I mean, these are Correct. hugely different countries. Um, so you're travelling and seeing how a lot of different cultures are reacting to. This yeah. opportunity, I guess, as well. Yeah. So I think uh, I, uh, I also was, was was talking to people about this, and I said one thing that probably Neil and some of the people who started these aims didn't and didn't, didn't probably consciously think about was that they have a real big uh, maybe unintended consequence of like bringing Africans from all over the world. Uh, from all over Africa to, to do this course, but they live together in one place for one year. Mm. So eventually people learn a lot of other people's cultures, so people get to understand each other a bit more. Mm. So it's more like building leadership, also building also bridges between different countries and different people. Mm. So that's that's that also a really good thing about the AIMS project. Yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah. I mean, one thing that's perhaps ever so slightly delicate to say is that when you look at the workshops which we have here at the Newton Institute mm. they, they are open to and attract mathematicians from all over the world yet you don't see many Africans coming to them and not not as many as you should do proportionately perhaps Correct. so it seems as though the kind of work which you're doing is a move to uh, repair that perhaps or um, if, if repair yeah, there are a lot of, lot of address uh, that, perhaps, factors that you can count uh, so there, there will be financial issue, which is the biggest, biggest problem. You know, sure. so African researchers and lecturers would love to come to these mm. kind of meetings, but they don't have the means to do that. Mm. Most people in most African universities wouldn't have the means to come. Mm. Yeah. The other thing is they're not aware that okay, sometimes it's not just funding. There are sometimes partial funding or even full funding you can get from these institutes mm. to come here and spend some time. Yeah. And. Uh, also, I think in a lot of other universities, the research is not well developed. You know, mm. people problems people are looking at uh, very old problems and probably not connected to what is contemporary research in this part of the world. So they find it uh, a bit away from what they do. You know, mm. so there's all these factors I think that play in. And we are with aims again, like yeah, this is the good thing about aims is like we are dealing, we are bringing people from over the world who are really leaders in their area. So they expose students to these cutting-edge areas. And we hope probably in the next few years we would have yeah, a lot of Africans ready to come to these kind of meetings and also be able to participate meaningfully. Yeah. Yeah, maybe there will still be a finance barrier, but then but we would have a lot more people better prepared for these kind of meetings, yes. Yeah, that is, that's absolutely fascinating and, and really exciting for the future. So thank you for sharing that with me. Um, to do this uh, podcast slash interview, completely backwards I thought I'd finish off by asking you um, I didn't ask you at the beginning uh, tell me about your history with mathematics so where did you grow up and how did you find a love for mathematics okay interesting well so I liked mathematics since 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 primary school I grew up in the Gambia hmm. yeah I went to school there did my undergrad there and 
then was working at the university. So, so I don't know if you know the history of Gambia. It's like we never, we didn't have a university until very recently. Mm. We had a university in, in 2020, actually. Wow. So before that, yeah. Gambians finish A levels and then have to go abroad to study. So mm. they come to the UK or they go to the US mm. to do a, a, an undergrad. Mm. So we were when we finished A levels. I finished my A levels. Uh, there was no university at the time. The highest you can do was devised uh, institution of learning was a teacher training college. So I decided to go do teacher training. Mm. Yeah, and I taught for two years before I went to university. Actually, cool. Then. I went. To, I did mathematics and physics at the university. Mm-hmm. When I finished, I taught for about three. Like, was a graduate assistant teaching first year courses and doing tutorials. And, and, and where was the university? University of the Gambia. It, uh, oh, okay. So by the time it had yeah, been yeah. built, you were yeah. Ready yeah. To by the time I finished teaching, yeah. so it was like, when I started college to do uh, teacher training. Mm. The university started that year. Mm. So then, when I finished, I had to. It was mandatory because my my training was funded by government. It was mandatory to teach for at least two years before you leave teaching field. So I went to sure. teach for two years at secondary schools in Gambia, and then I went to university proper to do my undergrad. Mm. And when I finished, I was offered to stay on and do a graduate assistantship at the university um, because I did maths and physics. I was doing also some physics labs for the students and tutorials, and then I got a Commonwealth scholarship to come to Oxford to do a master's in two thousand and seven mm. when i finished my master's in 2008 i got an offer to do a phd in edinburgh so i did four years in edinburgh actually so i have a lot of strong links with the uk yeah yeah yeah, yeah so i studied here quite a different climate to the to the gambia i guess yeah absolutely <laughs> uh, as beautiful as it I, is i like edinburgh but i was uh, the yeah. only but was the climate yeah sure, yeah which is nice yeah <laughs> uh, absolutely wow. oh that's a really fascinating story and yeah. um uh from as i say from the outside and that sounds like the the appeal of your career so far must have been finding everything new. You know, you're joining a new university, you're finding new students, people who perhaps would never have the opportunity to go to a, a higher centre before. And, and now, in based in Cape Town, you are you know, meeting young and new people all the time. Brilliant young minds, I imagine. So mm-hmm. it's... Uh, yeah, it certainly sounds very exciting from the yeah, outside. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. You always see, like, like I mentioned, you always see uh, there's a lot more you can do, but uh, there's just limited resources that you have on time but yeah it's uh, hopefully things would grow and yeah we bring changes that we want in africa yeah yeah that's really exciting well um dr babakar bar thank you so much again uh, for spending the time and um, i look forward to hearing more from you and more about aims and I, I hope anyone that listens to this is inspired to go and read thoughts about aims and the website looks very clear and very good so it's there waiting all right well thank you again Right. And enjoy the rest of the workshop. Thank and you for inviting me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Okay. Thanks. Bye.